Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Uddang dhammang sanghang namasami Just noticing today uh, things seem to be settling and quality of um, presence, energy, present energy coming into the into the assembly as we trawl through our our various oceans and uh, find some land, some find some resting places, find where we are, find ourselves in our bodies. And um, things can begin to brighten up, things can begin to steady. Finding the ground, uh, embodied mind. Important to recognize uh, when we use the word mind, and for most people, this is going to seem like a thought experience or a cerebral or conceptual experience or with a bit of stretching we might amplify the word mind and it means also mindsets, attitudes um, maybe even moods and feelings but but the word citta is the centre as subjective center of awareness, the location, the locus of awareness, so the you know, place where we both receive impressions and also from which impressions um, proceed, moods, images, energies proceed from that center. Mm. And essentially is, is energetic. Its, its essence is energetic, it's dynamic. It's always um, receiving, processing, um, sending out, signaling, picking up signals, uh, and so on. And you can see how you know energetic is just how many thoughts one can have, and the, the feel quite buzzy and speedy. And for in one moment, one can remember something that happened ten years ago, and the next moment with the breath and then down somewhere in the body and then out the window uh, <laughs> and then sort of in some nether world uh, you know nowhere in particular some kind of nether spaced out state and then you know find a breath somewhere and claw yourself way back in again and uh, so it's 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 energetic and you can get quite tired Sometimes, because of the 
um, the things that normally the energy moves around, which can be one's daily habits and uh, routines and things that we do, it kind of holds the thing in a particular pattern. I do this, I do that, I say this, I say that, I move here, I go there, I have something to eat, and, and, and so we do that. The energy is held in a particular pattern. And then when, you do, when one disturbs that pattern, energy goes skewy. Uh, why it's very important always to use using the breath or a simple anchor to come back to. If the breath is too subtle, just the sitting body, um, the stillness, uh, the presence of the Buddha, the shrine, something where you just, oh, here we are, this simple presence, just to, to steady things. Um, uh, and to allow the energy to, to reconstellate, to recenter itself just around being here. Because when you disturb your normal habits, things go awry. Uh, and you can feel suddenly very tired, weary, and then suddenly very hyper. And uh, you know, too much energy bursting out and then sinking down. Because one has disturbed the normal patterns of it. Mm. And it's extraordinary, isn't it? We could say, well, you know, what did you do today? Well, you know, got up and... Uh, I sat for a while, then had some breakfast, and you know, swept the floor, then sat for a while, uh, walked up and down 20 feet, uh, sat some more. You know, by about, by about one, I was really pl- tuckered. I was, you know. <laughs> So I had a little rest. <laughs> you know, got up and I went and did sat some more. <laughs> you know, I was all done in by four. <laughs> so what, what do you have to do? You just study it? No, not do anything really. You <laughs> to think a lot, argue, debate things? No. Discuss? No. No. Remember things? No. Figure anything out? No. In fact, the idea was to not do anything. That was what was so exhausting. <laughs> so the, the, the energy you know, is, is held in particular patterns, isn't it? Where, where it's as if one is kind of, one's life has been in, gets invested in routines and things and people and events, and you just go from this to that. Everyone gives you kind of spin, gives a little spin and it, it just keeps energy flowing on these routines and uh, and set pieces that we go through. I think quite a lot of times is we just coast on automatic. You know, we know where we are, we know where what we do, we get in the car, da, da, da. and there's maybe a little bit of difference in what we're doing, but actually a lot of it is done in a semi-automatic way which doesn't mean, means that the energy doesn't have to be that bright and present. It's mostly just kind of cruising along, kind of semi-somnambulant state. <laughs> and you say, morning, morning, yeah, hi, hi, yeah, great. And that, and uh, you get back, what did you do? Oh, nothing much, fine. And, and so on. So, Actually, even though one can be physically doing quite a bit, moving around quite a bit, 
the actual quality of present energy in, in one's life is, is quite, it can be quite um, reduced compared with the amount of present energy that's required just to, to be present, <laughs> you know, without the things that boost it, without the stimulants, without the, the pushes, without the, the goading, without the rewarding, without the, the, what are called the worldly wins, succeeding and, and praise and, and failure and so forth, the things that kind of kick us and move us and shove us along. Here we're doing it all dry, you know, no stimulation. So, suddenly the mind is like, you know, what happens to the vehicles that normally when it gets moved around on, and it feels unbalanced. Uh, but then, the sense of this is, is that, you know, it's part of the process, is this, this disengagement, and non-attachment, so that that energy then is, is free, is freed up, and we begin to just gather it in, gather it in, gather it in. Not uh, in a tight way, but just going through the, the loop of breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And uh, maybe just that sense of, of smoothing energy with, be well, may I be well. Just the sense of kindness, energy is not harsh, or demanding, just breathing in is good, relax with that, let it happen, breathing out is fine, relax with that, so a sense of general, general friendliness, mm. and no examinations, no um, you know, cross-examinations of how much you did today, or how much you achieved, and when you got anywhere, so the, 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 the carrot and the stick is taken away, and just um, please, Make use of the time. Be well. Uh, find yourself. Be be at peace with yourself. This is all that's being encouraged. Mm. So you just kind of gather around that particular pattern, uh, and um, then the energy begins to to collect. And this is what we call um, samadhi or concentration. This means, and you, 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 the mind becomes relatively conceptually free but quite powerful, because it's not um, picking up and moving out in a thousand different ways. So you get a certain dynamic, powerful quality, and it begins to radiate. Mind begins to radiate. You get a sense of sometimes even warmth, physical warmth through the body, and a radiance. Um, uh, sometimes it appears to be like a light or a radiant quality, um, you may feel quite charged, uh, even emotionally affects the emotions, one can feel quite elated by it all. But the, the sense is that something's there that's actually lifting, you know, you know, something's lifting, buoyant quality. Um, so there is a non-attachment, there's also a powerful presence, presence of, of mind. That's, that comes around. So this is an, this is an energetic experience, experience of, of subtle energy.
as we practice, then the degree to which this is present for us helps to counteract and even heal those places where we get lost, where there's a break, where suddenly we're spinning out. We're not where we are. We're out there. We're, we're, we're gripped by something. We're gripped by a memory. We're gripped by a mood. We're gripped by worry. Well, we, we just, uh, something in us seems to be lost. We don't know where we are. There's a kind of mild panic or a, or a fluster, or we feel ourselves caving in, sleepy or collapsing. And uh, rather than um, react to all this, the process is one of whenever you begin to experience a sort of a losing it, can be just drifting sometimes, drifting away, or sometimes something, your thought comes up or a mood comes up and you find yourself uh, you know, really out, um, spinning out, thinking, uh, a certain emotional stirring with that. You just recognize and spread full awareness over that as an energy. So in other words, you don't bring your thinking to bear upon it, like, you know, or even if you're thinking, it just actually picks up the theme of the, if you're worried and you, you think you, you want, ends up reacting, either increasing the worry, worrying about the worry, trying to stop worrying, um, you know, thinking I'm a worrier, I always worry, and so forth. It just picks up the theme and, and, and amplifies it and embellishes it or, or reacts to it. Similarly, emotionally, then it's, uh, the, we find ourselves emotionally reacting. We feel disappointed or we feel um, losing it or something like that. So the idea is to, to not emotionally react or not react at all, but to be present. And the first thing we're present with is just energetically present. Mm-hmm. This means you, you feel the, the movement of that. You feel the sinking or the rushing of that. And as you feel that, you probably you feel how you, your is in your body. Now, as we all recognize, then um, particularly powerful emotions and powerful thoughts definitely have bodily effects. You, know? you feel tightened up in your belly. Maybe you feel angry, you get tightness. Why, you know, you get a flush in the face, you get a rush down the, the arms, um, the eyes sort of start, you know, depending on what the emotions are. You feel freezing, you feel a kind of locked sense and the body seems to clamp. Or there's a rapid heart beating, and then that kind of experience happens. Because the, uh, the, bo- the, the body, the emotions and the thinking are not essentially separate. As you get uh, more uh, full awareness, you recognize that every, every thought has got some kind of uh, um, bodily effect. Mm. It's like, um, you know, so you're feeling very spacious, for example, you feel quite open and spacious and empty, then you think something, you feel yourself tighten up a little bit. And it, depending on what the topic is, this is the topic of some 
considerable concern or significance, then the system tightens up quite a lot. I don't know if you experience this. The problem is, of course, that once that happens, we get, we get into the topic, you don't necessarily feel the energy of it. Until maybe the topic's been going on for quite a while, and you think, wait a minute, what's, what's happening? And you realize that you know, you're either not in your body at all, or you're just aware of a, of a sensation around your eyes or in your head. Um, you feel perhaps tight in your fingertips, and you know, the breathing is gone. The, the inner rhythmic flow has disappeared, and one is in a different bodily state. Buddha recognized this when he said, um, you know, too much thinking tires the body. And you probably will recognize one of the most uh, exhausting things to do is a lot of office work. It really wears you out. Amount of thinking. So we disengage from going down that channel of thinking and just handle it, handle experiences in, in the body. It's a, it's a growing process, a growing um, cultivation because of the bodily effects of our emotions and thoughts, you can find that your body is actually quite um, seized up with it all. You know, there's quite a lot of tension in the, in the shoulders and neck, for example. Pretty obvious place. Um, there's been so much going on that the body's just jammed. It's rather like a, you know, when you see a, a, a computer and it's got some, you try to do 15 programs at the same time, it just freezes, locks. Um, so, and then we don't really feel much at all in the body. You, know, you feel a little bit of breathing, maybe, but not very much at all. So, just learning to you know, soften, release the tension, open the body up, and then we can begin to feel how things affect us how sounds affect us, how sights affect us, how the uh, presence of other people affects us. You feel slightly defended, slightly defensive, or something that wants to move out, make contact with other people, something that perhaps feels a little nervous of that. You can feel a kind of an oscillation of energy around the presence of other people. Why again, it's in when we're practicing a group, it's important to not imagine there's nobody else here. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting on my cushion and nothing, there's nobody else around. There are other people around. Uh, <laughs> so there's a sense of we, an energetic connection rather than a connection through talking or um, you know, getting to know each other, but just a sense of presence of other people uh, and feeling their stillness, um, their presence, yeah. and their integrity. 
you know, so sangha becomes a kind of refuge. One aspect of refuge is the sense of the energetic presence of other people. Because our system is very much wired to that. We all are born, we all arise in somebody else's body. We all are, are weaned through somebody else's body. We all spend the early years of our life very much, very, very attuned to somebody else's physical presence or absence. And it's very distressing if that isn't there. So it's part of the basic wiring of a human being is to other people mean a lot. (laughs) You know, and it it doesn't change as you grow up because these are the, these, these other humans are the ones who can lift you up and throw you down emotionally, Mm. can ignore you, uh, reject you, praise you, comfort you. You So there's a lot there. And something the system needs to feel uh, comfortable. If you're on your own, you can feel comfortable. For a while, at least. Oh, with other people, you've got to actually have a sense of you know, acknowledgement in a non-intrusive, non, um, you know, non-penetrating way, just the presence of other beings. May they be well. May I be well. I mean no harm to you. And it certainly in this uh, time here, I notice how actually even in silence, there can be quite a strong sense of connection and moving around, noticing people, stopping for each other or letting somebody pass or just feeling a sense of, of uh, care, respect. Um, you know, from other, so you get quite a lot of sense of connection and being with people even when they're not talking. Um, more, sometimes a lot more than when people are talking. You know, you, you're coming to, uh, to uh, uh, fly across from Britain and you, and you go to the uh, customs and everything back stuff and you kind of <laughs> stamp, 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 you know, fill in the form, you know. And it's quite shocking just to be given one word sentences, bag <laughs> <laughs> Number, name, seat, uh, 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 because you know, there's, there's a deep non-connection and yet, and, yet, and yet there's somebody throwing this word at you. So it's, it feels like, like having somebody literally throwing something at you because it's both unconnected and yet you know, there's a verbal connection. But it, it's not talking to me. <laughs> Just throwing this word into space because poor guy's done that for the last five hours. You know, he can't say, hello, how are you? Interesting, you know. He's there every day doing it. So he just comes at you with the one-liners, you know. Uh, I feel very, um, you know, sad for the people who have to in, live in those situations, actually. Uh, and you, you, you come through that, and, oh. and it's really nice to, you know, to actually land and meet some real humans. <laughs> or humans being real who look at you and some sense of warmth occurs, and hello, you know, 
and uh, oh, back in human land again, out of out of you know airspace, dis- disconnected space, and into human realm again. And something in one's system starts to feel assured and comfortable. And I, um, I consider how quite a lot of our time it can be spent in these, these non-human spaces. You know, you know, there's a thousand, thousand cars chugging down a freeway, you know, and they're little metal boxes with rubber wheels on them chuntering away. And you see these beings behind the glass kind of jabbering into their mobile phones. <laughs> you know, and you just wonder, you know, when, I hope nobody blows a whistle or something happens because it's going to be bedlam, you know. Or milling around the streets, you know, or going through some of these kind of, um, you know, subways. which people find themselves energetically just thrown around. By the, uh, by routines, by this unawakened uh, routines that people are just kind of plugged into and they're just thrown along it at high speed often. I remember a friend of mine saying he used to go to commute to work in London every day. So he lived in um, Surrey, which isn't so far. It's about 40, 50 miles from London. He'd commute to London every day. And so that everybody gets on the same train. You know, it's like the seven o'clock train from Hazelmere to London. And there's everybody just, these guys are standing there with their suits on. Train gets in, everybody just charges in, gets their newspapers up, you know. Train gets into Waterloo, newspapers come down, doors open, everybody's out, you know. Uh, (laughs) And then they go through the the turnstiles and so forth and down the subways. And this goes on day after day, you know. Uh, And one day he was was in this process and uh, he saw some, somebody just completely lost it. They just couldn't take it. And he just, this guy was just lying on the platform crying. He couldn't, just couldn't do it anymore. He just, something just snapped. He couldn't uh, just keep going through this. And people were walking over him. You know. <laughs> just, you know, it wasn't part, of the, wasn't part of the program, so he just kept going. You know. And uh, Richard probably... I mean, this poor chap. So a friend of mine, you know, he stopped and he looked to the, they got some hot, uh, ambulance and they stretched the, the guy out. You know? But the loss of, loss of connection, you know, when people are physically there, maybe coming out with the morning, morning, shocking day, terrible weather, things like that, to each other. And, uh, you know, everything's happening, nothing's happening in real time. Nothing's happening in human time. Everything's happening in this kind of uh, disembodied uh, state. Uh, and then something, something snaps. You know. And it's certainly quite um, shocking to see how, how that 
particular energy takes over. So certainly, you know, quite a considerable proportion of the pop working population, you know, are taking some kind of medication just to keep going. Just to keep going through the disembodied, disconnected, uncaring state. And it's more than just um, uh, emotional, it has physiological effects. The nervous system seems to start to break down. The whole thing goes out of whack. Yeah, there's plenty of movement there, plenty of activity, plenty of energy, but it's all, none of it's connected to, to presence, to heart, you know, to the body. It's just uh, connected to notions, ideas, should be's, got to's, uh, four o'clock, five o'clock, Waterloo, you know, spreadsheet, you know, whatever it is, these kind of objects gobble it all up. You know, so coming out of that, anything, you can feel the hypnosis that the human beings get under. And so it really is, um, you know, so precious to be in a situation where people are, you know, pulling, coming out of all that, whatever effect that's had on us and coming into presence and probably at certain times actually feeling some of the residues of that, some of the the uh, dullness, some of the sense like, you know, we've been you know, hypered, hyper, like hyper-caffeinated on all this stuff. Now you're coming out and you get a bit of, doing a bit of cold turkey on it. You feel a bit wonky, woozy, dull. Uh, energies need to be carefully held. So this non-attachment doesn't mean, um, you know, there's no caring or no interest or just let it, let it flop around. It means you let go of certain things and you hold, energetically hold the space, you hold presence very firmly, very clearly, clearly and fully as one can. When we see the, the word, the phrase non-attachment is, is always associated with um, the particular um, stimulation, like food, literally food, energy food, things that stimulate, so the um, sense contact, the sense of, of um, adhering to or being glued to or uh, fastened on to sense contact and to um, ill will covetousness, grief uh, the non-attachment to that or letting go of that ill will most ill will is about defence it's something that you know, we harden to protect ourselves. 
And w these, what attachment um, concerns itself with reminds us of some very fundamental um, needs or, you know, that uh, need to be addressed, the need for something that feeds us only for something that um, protects us, need for safety, if you see what I mean. So that the sense of, of ill will acts as something that repels and, and it's got a sort of pr protective quality if it actually worked, but it doesn't. Because you end up being steeped in the negative feeling. You don't feel safe, you just feel fed up. Fear, mm. rejection, and so on. So when we uh, cultivate non-attachment is to see what attachment is trying to do is to provide places where energy can feel comfortable, but it's doing it in the wrong way. So instead of uh, the stimulation of the food of sense contact, you take the food of um, awareness, the food of calm, the food of rapture, the food of um, ease. And this is the special food. Mm. The Buddha called it something like ambrosia, you know, delicious, uh, fulfilling, um, happy mm. experience. He said this is very important to have this food for the heart. And food for the heart can be the quality of ease, the quality of uplift, the quality of joy, the sense of well-being. Very important to, to find ways in which one connects to that. And the sense of safety, which is um, the precepts that we avoid unskillful karma, abusive karma. We protect ourselves from that towards others, and we take refuge in places where there is uh, an agreement on skillful behavior. So you feel, ah, oh, now I'm here. Now to, to really to enjoy the presence of these, what's offered in this way. Because you can get the, take non-attachment as an ideology, it can be another way in which we actually um, disconnect from everything. So rather than energetically connecting to, to well-being, to the presence of, of uh, virtuous people, to the sense of generosity, to the sense of, of, of morality, integrity in a, in a situation, we think, oh, I don't want to get attached to that place. You know, I don't want to get attached to meditation. So what happens, you know? Uh, where does it, where does it, what does your energy connect to? Mm. So one of the uh, pitfalls of non-attachment is just to space out. Uh, it's to, to, to go into not noticing, not sensing, not feeling, not just a sense of absence. Mm. Not really here. 
nobody else is here, I'm not here, there's no self anyway, and it's all impermanent, so, you know, <laughs> a, a ghost. Mm. And though this can have, um, in this particular syndrome, what we consider non-attachment, means we actually lose touch with the imminent and present realities of experience. And this is actually nothing to do with cultivation. I mean, I I could space out years before I started to meditate. I was <laughs> instinctively, you know, a drop of a hat. The way of just avoiding the uncomfortable, the painful, you know, the, the, the awkward, the unknown, the frightening, just space out. Um, go up in my head, think of something, daydream, drift out the window, not be here. There's always a way of, of getting out of the uncomfortable, the awkward, the unknowable, the disturbing, the frightening, yeah, of which there's a lot around. It's a basic um, safety mechanism. You know, don't be here. So most of my school days wasn't there, you know, out the window. Um, university days, out the window. Uh, you know, occasionally kind of check into a lecture or two and then actually you know actually u- using using having a bit of support to get out of it using some drugs get even further out of the window and definitely not attached don't be spaced out <laughs> yeah so this sort of I thought this is really it sounds cool, isn't it? You know, you're not really here with all this stuff. But it took um, years of meditation <laughs> to actually counteract that that habit because it was such an instinctive habit. To any the heat goes up, you know, the pressure's on, out. Mm. Mm. And it's easy to. Um, Sanctify that as non-attachment. Because uh, the more time one spends out, the less, less one actually gets used to handling you know, the awkward, the otherness of life, particularly the kind of the emotional side of life, the overwhelming emotional side of it, or the fears, the pains, the uh, way that emotions overwhelm, so something starts coming up a bit, space out, you know. And uh, of course, um, other people, you, know, you meet somebody, space out. <laughs> somebody starts getting angry, space out. You know. And taking that into um, Sangha life, you can, see, you can see examples of the Buddha saying, well, you know, go off to your kutis, be solitary, so forth. Oh, great, I don't have to be with anybody. Space out. This is actually the Lord's telling me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, non-attachment is an ideology. It becomes this uh, blank check on on absence, <laughs> being absent. Then you get into some curious experiences in communities of people dedicated, when people get dedicated to being absent in a community situation. There's <laughs> only certain levels of experience that one can be present with, so it starts, somebody gets a little bit upset, people are out the window, you know, out the door, looking at the floor, or something. You know. And... Uh, I can, sometimes I get, um, you can actually feel the the deadness of it all. And uh, it's a difficult one to counteract because most of it is not about anybody doing anything. Nobody's actually doing anything unpleasant, saying anything unpleasant, untoward, awkward. So it's nothing you can, but actually people aren't, nobody's there. And you feel this sense of frozen. You know, qualities in in uh, in life. I remember actually um, a little while ago, as trying to talking to one of one of the monks I was living with, and uh, actually started to get a bit, ended up getting quite heated. Just uh, about. Uh, about communication, you know. actually, you know, direct presence in communicating. Uh, it's a simple thing, and I recognised how the most useful thing to do was to get upset and angry. And they're getting upset and angry, the person finally understood what I was talking about. He got upset and angry. We got upset and angry with the other for about 10 minutes. Then we felt great. And I thought, my goodness, 25 years or so of non-attachment, being spacious, being allowing, not bothering anybody, not intruding, being quiet, being peaceful, accepting people for what they are, and 10 minutes of having an argument, we feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> The sense of you know, it's like person came out of the wallpaper and real oh, and then this kind of sense of tremendous um, warmth and connection. <laughs> and, uh, Twenty-five years of practicing non-attachment and uh, ten ten minutes of losing your temper. <laughs> so what was the what was the non-attachment? You know, it was well, I don't want to bother. I don't want to bother him, don't want to get upset, don't want to be intrusive, don't want to be disturbing, you know, let people be who they are, we don't need, I don't need anything, I don't need you, I don't, you don't need me, we don't need each other, that's cool, you just go off your way, I'll go my way, you'll go your way, fine, you know, space, great, play of space here, and it always <laughs> sounds sort of kosher in a way, but it's another recipe for, for, uh, for not being present, you know, on certain levels, on the kind of a emotional level, because the emotional realm is uh, disturbing. Yeah. 
But um, it's disturbing, it's also revealing. And it uh, uh, can be embarrassing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because one doesn't actually, uh, can't maintain the same kind of images, self-images, when you're getting upset, angry or distraught. Don't look, doesn't look so coherent anymore. So we don't like that. We want to look together, you know, and steady and calm and dignified and, and on top of it all. We don't want to look sort of, you know, another way. So it's quite a, a process to actually recognize that the, the attachment is not, is towards a, s- a sense of self. Uh, to trying to be something. Or trying to not be something. And these are the, actually, this describes the particular areas where attachment lingers. And the Buddha said, most people get the idea that they get attached to cigarettes, they get attached to booze, they get attached to sex, they get attached to, you know, yeah, most people kind of recognize that. It doesn't take you much to feel that and know that and think, wait a minute, it's, you know. Uh... So you take a little more discernment, you begin to see how you also get attached to systems, to routines, to the seven o'clock train to Waterloo, to the I do this on a Tuesday, to it's Friday night, you know, to behaviours, to customs, conventions. Mm. Second big area of clinging mm, is to systems, systems, customs, protocol, behaviours. and uh, so this also involves um, our need. We're trying to find security in the planned, the known, uh, the conventional. And there's quite a lot goes into that, even though it can be deadening. Because in, in actually the system and the routine means this is automatic. This happens at 9 o'clock. This happens at 10 o'clock. Okay, now you can go to sleep. <laughs> you know, you can it will, it will go along. You know, it happens at nine. You don't have to be really with this. You, you just wake up at nine, wake up at ten, change trains, and just be lost for the rest of it time. Um, that's what systems uh, can lull us into um, not being present, and something that clings to that because the system does it for us in a way. We may not like it, we may think, but it does it for us, and it holds the energy together. Third form of clinging is to these um, almost fundamental life statements, which we have a range of, but they, they come under two heads. One is that which is about um, getting, gaining, becoming, uh, increasing, you know, if you like, territory, ownership, fame, status, you know, when you actually get bigger uh, and firmer and more a person. And the other one is when we withdraw, absence, non-becoming, oblivion, ghosting, uh, disappearing, not being there. And we can probably find ourselves oscillating. Sometimes we actually want to be very much noticed and attended to, and here I am, and other times we just want to disappear when the pressure comes up, when the heat's on, when things don't look so good, out the window, out the door. 
um, not here. And all of these essentially come down to the uh, firming up core impression of self. Here I am, steady, safe, um, immutable. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't about the uh, annihilation of something, it's about the liberation of something from this grip of... uh, deadening grip of an image, a notion, what we should be. And the effect of this is, uh, because a lot of this is generated through uh, how we become somebody, through, through what other people or situations allow us to be. So, what you're allowed to be is responded to, is accepted, is greeted, is met. So what you're allowed to be gets full energy. Okay, I'm allowed to be, so you become that. The bit that you're not allowed to be is ignored, pushed away, shut down, forgotten about. So that bit you're not allowed to be doesn't get any energy. So it, it just freezes up. So what you end up becoming as a self is the bits that <laughs> that are allowed or accepted or okayed or given energy. Yeah. And the bits that aren't, uh, shadow bits, yeah, the uh, uncontrolled, the out of it, the um, sometimes uh, powerful emotions which are not acceptable, Strong surges of energy, not acceptable. So those uh, get left out. So you become a kind of um, this sort of domesticated self. And I wonder when one begins to meditate and there isn't somebody doing it and our ability to keep holding ourselves in our image basis. We start to relax some of that, and then all the the orphans (laughs) start coming home, coming in, you know, the bits that weren't seen or, or given any energy start coming in. So meditation can be quite disturbing as a process. But the simple story of it all, the story of the process is to, uh, to, we don't have to hold this emotionally or cognitively. We don't have to understand ourselves, think ourselves, um, analyze ourselves. We don't have to emotionally approve of ourselves or disapprove of ourselves. You, know, you just hold it energetically, feel the 
the charge, the power, the movements, the trembling, the moving in your body. And, uh, and it, then all that gives you the space for which these bits and pieces start to be integrated. And the image, the impression of self is no longer necessary. You don't have to be a self because you, here you are, you know. <laughs> and there's a, a sense of openness and radiance in that. Main practice, and using mindfulness of breathing, it's very important to have that reliable, a reliable core, a reliable anchor, a reliable place that you can go to and allow everything else to shift and change. An inner presence, like mindfulness of breathing, and an outer one, such as this retreat, the good company, the refuge. And two together, internally and externally. This talk was given by Ajahn Susido at Insight Meditation Society on April 24, 2005. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed.